0: so give you more info on that later. But let's get into Exodus chapter 13 because I can tell that you guys are just chomping at the bit to get into it. Uh, Exodus 13, the journey begins. There are two main divisions that we are going to see in this chapter. The first is to be mindful and the second is beginning the actual journey. With every trip that you and I take, there is always a packing list. Every time that we are going somewhere, it might be a day trip to Disneyland. You remember? Remember? Anybody remember Disneyland? We used to go to Disneyland back in nineteen, uh, uh, back in two thousand nineteen, um, before you know the apocalypse hit and we had to all stay inside of our houses and all of that. Uh, you might go where, wherever it is that you're going, and 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 then it depends on where you're going, what the packing list consists of. If you're going on a long trip out of state or maybe out of the country, getting on a plane, you have to consider. What the weather's going to be like what what sort of elements will you be uh encountering while you are there uh what kind of things are you going to be doing while you're there what kind of trip is it is it a fun vacation trip are we going on hikes is it uh are we going to go on a canoe are we are we going to the mountains uh whatever it is that we're doing but but again it may just be just a day trip and we're going to an amusement park or we're just going out to do some shopping and you have to check your outfit make sure that you got all the unnecessary uh you know gear um you know one of the things on the list an absolute you can just never go anywhere without this is what your phone right because you never know when a selfie emergency will arise and you'll just need to to post something uh, post a picture uh, you might be at Ross or at Marshall's or something and you just you just never know when you're gonna have to snap a picture of some person or whatever it might be so there's always a packing list these people that we're reading about in Exodus They are getting ready to go on a journey, and they are leaving Egypt. It's a mass exodus. That's why it's named Exodus. They are leaving Egypt, and because of that, God is actually reminding them, hey, listen, as we go, don't forget these things. And that's really what we're seeing in this first, uh, first section, the first 16 verses. Be mindful. Let's take a look at it, verses 1 through 16. Verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn consecrate means to set them apart we'll talk some more about that in just a moment as we go through this whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel of man and beast God says it is mine so God as they're leaving he makes a demand he says I want the firstborn of of every every person every family Every firstborn person that's, that's uh, born and of the animals also need to be set apart to me. So, immediately right out of the gate, he establishes that he wants the very first. Give me the very first. Okay? We'll talk some more about that, but we, we take a quick break. Not, not a break from, from being mindful, uh, but just what Moses does is he turns and he talks to the people. About the unleavened bread, verse three, and Moses said to the people, "Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt." Now, let me ask you a uh, trivia question. Okay, sorry, I don't have any prizes right now, but I'll send some good thoughts your way or something. I don't know. What they're 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 leaving Egypt, okay? And Moses says to them, "Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt." Does anybody know what day of the month that was? Anybody remember what day of the month that was? Uh, wasn't it supposed to be somewhere in April? Like uh, the... no. Oh. <laughs> but good guess. What day of the month? The oh, month. Tenth that they left? Yes. Was it the 14th? Oh, yes, he got it. Ding, ding, ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Okay? It was the 14th. Remember, they were to take the lamb on the 10th, and then they were to sacrifice it on the 14th, And then that day would begin the Feast of Unleavened Bread for them, but that was the day that they were actually leaving. And they had to take their unleavened bread, right? They did not have time for their bread to rise like it normally would. They couldn't put it in the oven, wait for it to rise. So that was actually the day that pizza crust was created. Anyways, verse 3, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. It is important for you and I to remember something. Uh when you and I go on a trip, uh, though we may be gone for various lengths of, of, of time, and we have to prepare accordingly for that, there's always the thought that I will come back. So as you're leaving, you might go in and just say goodbye to your precious bread, bed, bed, you know, like, okay, I'll see you when I get back in two weeks or whatever. Because maybe it's just the best bed you've ever had, and you just love it. And you sleep everywhere, but there's nothing like sleeping in your own bed. Or you might be saying goodbye to your little pet. Whatever kind of pet you got. Okay? I was thinking of all kinds of things. Fish, dogs, cats, birds, you know, whatever you've got. You're saying goodbye, but there's always the 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 knowledge in your mind, in the back of your mind, that yeah, I'm excited about going where I'm going to, uh, but I will be back. I will return. For these people, you and I must understand that there was no returning. There's no return. Now you may be thinking, well, uh, you know, what's? I mean, they were slaves in Egypt. It reminds us there in verse three. Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, slavery. And they had actually been there for over 400 years. And you may think, well, they're leaving slavery and you know what's the big deal? You know this is a great thing, they got to go. But you and I must understand that, yeah, they're leaving slavery. They're leaving the bondage. But within that, they're leaving their homes and they're leaving for good. As far as they know, as they're, as they're leaving town, they will never return to these places. And and as bitter as the bondage was, and, and probably for a lot of them, they probably thought, Psh, good riddance, I don't ever want to see this place again. I don't ever want to think about anything. In fact, when I get outside of Egypt, I'm gonna take my sandals off and shake the dust off, because I don't I don't want any kind of I don't want anything left, no kind of reminders left from Egypt. But there were probably many that even though they were leaving slavery and leaving bondage and, and going into freedom. It was still, they're they're leaving their home. And that is not always an easy thing to do. Even, Even as bad as things may get at home, it's not always easy to leave. And know that you're leaving for good. These people were leaving for good. But it is important for you and I to remember that they were leaving bondage. They were. They were leaving slavery, which was a wonderful thing. But for many of them, they had never experienced freedom. So they don't really know. You know how you kind of get those butterflies? You get nervous. You get excited about a trip that you're going on. Like, man, we're going to the Grand Canyon, but, you know, I'm excited. Seen lots of pictures, you know, but I've never been there myself. And, and there's an excitement there. You don't think about the, the multi-hour, you know, car ride to wherever it is that you're going. You don't think about sitting in there with your legs all cramped, you know. If you've got a big family, there's no moving around. No. The only thing that you can do is every time you stop to go to the bathroom, you know, like you stop in Barstow or whatever, and you just switch, you know. And nobody wants the middle seat because it's got that little bump in it, and it's just you can't lean one way or the other. You want the side, you know, window seats so you can lean over. Nobody cares about the middle person, right? But there's always some excitement, some stirring. And these people are leaving slavery for good, never to return. And we're told there in verse 3 that they're they're leaving out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the hand of of, uh, I'm sorry, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month Avib. So I've got some, I'm not going to have them up here on the screen, but I will tell you what they are for those of you that take notes. Now, you're going, well, you just told us you're not going to have them on the screen, and there it is. Well, I know. This is our our. our This is one of our sub-points here, Feast of Unleavened Bread. They were to be mindful. They were to remember to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But underneath that, within that, verses 3 and 4, they were to realize. He says, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt. Realize this, that you're leaving bondage. Realize this, that it's the strength of God that's taking you out of this place. Realize this, that you are uh, not to eat any leavened bread from this point until, you know, the 21st day. And, And remember this, realize this, that you are going out in the month Abib. Remember, realize this new thing that God is doing. Take notice. See what's happening. Don't just let it pass by and not realize that, oh, my goodness, God is doing something incredible here. There will come a time in your lives, your beautiful young lives, probably many of you are not thinking this way right now, but there will come a time when you will no longer be in here. Those of you that are freshmen, just getting started, four years is going to fly by. Do we have any upperclassmen in here, juniors, seniors, anybody? Yeah, those of you that are junior seniors, tell, tell us, has the time flown by? And, and the older that you get, the faster it goes and you won't be in here. And maybe you're thinking, "Yeah, amen. That's a good thing. Leaving, you know, leaving bondage, leaving for the promised land." But there will come a time when you will say, "Man, I wish I could just go back and just start over and maybe in junior high again or, you know, just come in as a freshman again, start all over, but you won't be able to." So realize what's going on right now. Realize what God is doing right now. When we're young, and I used to be young, way back in the 1900s. I, I remember, like, you know, when you're, when you're like 13, 14, all you can think about is, I can't wait till I'm 15 and a half, 16, so that I can start practicing my driving. Uh, I can hardly wait until I can get my, my driver's permit. Uh, and then you get your driver's permit and you start driving. Then it's, man, I can hardly wait till I'm 18, and I can actually take other people with me in the car. Or I wish that I was 18 and I could go do these other things. And then you hit 18 and you go, man, I wish that I was 21 so that I could, you know, really go and have some fun and do things on my own. And then when it's 21, it's, man, I wish I was a little bit older or, you know, I, I, I wish that I was married now. And then you get married and you say, man, I wish that I had some kids now. And you maybe have some kids and you, you know, you're, you're thinking about your career. And you're thinking about all of these things. And you're kind of feeling like, you know, I wish that I was a little bit older so I could do this or do that or do these other things. You start getting even older and you say, man, I wish I was just old enough to move into a senior citizen community. So I get cheaper rent, nicer house, neighbors that leave me, leave me alone. But there's always that desire for I want to be at the next, at the next step. I want to go to the next thing and let's hurry up and get through this. But oftentimes, because of that, we can miss what God is doing in the moment. Let us, you and I, young and old, young and old, let us not miss what God is doing right now. What God is doing right now, he has never done before, and it will not quite the the, the, the same way. God has always been working. But but what he's doing in this moment right now with the people that are around you, in this group, in our youth group, at our church. This is a, a, a one-time thing. And God will continue to work. He will. He'll continue to do special things, wonderful things. But the, the mix of people that we have, the individuals that we have in right now, this is, is, this, is, this is a one-time deal. So realize what you have right now. And he wants them to realize, listen, we're leaving bondage, man. We're leaving Egypt. God is taking us out of this place. And it's, it's, we've got a whole new year starting here, the month of a bee. So he tells them to realize. That's one of the sub-sub points that I put underneath Feast of Unleavened Bread is realize. The second thing is remember, verse 5, and it shall be. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Termites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey that you shall keep this service in this month seven days you shall eat unleavened bread and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the lord unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days and no bread shall be seen among you nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters so now what he does is he tells them remember First, it's realize what's going on right now. And then it's when you get to the promised land, remember to do some things. Now, we already learned in verse 1, way back up in verse 1, don't forget, verses 1 and 2, God said, hey, listen, from now on, I want the firstborn, okay? Don't forget to give me the firstborn. Now we're told in verses 5, 6, and 7, When you get to the promised land, remember. Both of these instances, God saying, I want the firstborn, and Moses saying, listen, you need to make sure you're eating unleavened bread. Remember what God has done. Both of these are a charge, a warning to don't forget God. Don't forget God. Now maybe, maybe for some of you, you're thinking, there's no way that I could ever forget God. And yet there may come a time when you will forget God. And the warning is, don't forget what God has done. So remember, realize what's going on right now, and then remember what God has done, and remember to keep your focus on him. Verse 5 again, let's look at it. And it shall be, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the uh, uh, Hivites and the Jebusites, now I love this in verse 5, when the Lord brings you into the land. When he does it, not if. Now, I want you to understand because some of you may remember this later on. These people that he is talking to, this this group this specific group of people as far as the adults are concerned, those that were 30 and older are actually never going to see the promised land. And you go, wait a minute, but you just said in verse 5 that when the Lord that the Lord's going to do it. Yes. The people, the Israelites, he is going to get them into the promised land. However, the parents that he's speaking to right now, those that were 30 and older, parents, adults, grandparents, were never going to see the promised land. It's an incredible story, and I'll just tell you real quickly why. Because they doubted God. Because they doubted God, God did not allow them to see the promised land. Um, I'm looking forward to getting to those chapters uh, further on in the book of Exodus. But here, he wants them to remember. Remember something. Verse 5. He's going to give you the promised land there, middle of verse 5, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. So I'm going to give you the promised land, and you're going to be set. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey. Whenever I hear that, flowing with milk and honey, I immediately go to Gene Wilder. I immediately go to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. When they first get in there, you remember, the, I'm talking about the old one, not the one with Johnny Depp, the good one, the old one. And as they're walking into the factory, into the into the chocolate factory, it's like this. There's just this kind of like wilderness of just you know uh, uh, everything's edible. You can eat the grass and it's candy. You can eat the flowers. You can eat the plants. You can eat whatever's there. But then there's also the, the river that's running through. Remember they get in the boat and it's like all this you know crazy. Freaky stuff. You're probably not allowed to watch that, so we'll just move on. But, anyways, there's a river flowing, you know, chocolate. And I always think about that. It's like, oh man, the the you know, the land of Canaan. They get into the Promised Land, and it's just flowing with milk and honey. the The point there is not that there's a river of milk or a river of honey. The point is that there is plenty of milk and plenty of honey. Now, now, what does milk come from again? Charlie's Chocolate Factory right (laughs) no from cows and goats and other types of animals goat milk anybody like goat milk yes man after my own heart yes they were going into a land that was filled with animals that was filled with what does honey come from again Yes, Winnie the Pooh. So yeah, there, there's just yeah, there was there was lo- there was going to be lots of animals, going to be full of animals. It was going to be full of of, um, of um, honey, indicating um, um, goodness. Just 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 animals and 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 produce is what I was trying to think. It's going to be it's it's going to be filled up or, or, or already set up for them. All they've got to do is believe God and go. But when you get there at the end of verse 5, that you shall keep this service in this month. Don't forget the Feast of Unleavened Bread because that will remind you to remember God. That will remind you of what God did. Remember I talked about the packing list at the beginning a few moments ago? Whenever you're going on a trip, it's important to know, you know, what, what do I need to bring? What kind of, you know, what kind of outfits do I need to bring? And, you know, what kind of things, what kind of gear do I need? Because when you get there, you're going to, you're going to need certain things. Well, here, God knows exactly where he's sending them to. Did you notice it in verse 5? The land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. We read that list and we just think, okay, there's like a whole bunch of ites there, whatever. I don't, you know, it's like, what's the big deal? Well, you must understand that the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites were already established in that land. And God is sending his people into that land and they must be careful not to absorb what the peoples around them will be offering to them. Now, anyways, they must be careful to remember that though you're in that land and though there may be other peoples established around you that are not godly, you've got to remember me. Keep your eyes on me. Now, how applicable is this to you and I today? There is so much madness outside of this room. The political scene right now is absolutely exploding. Got elections coming up. So everybody is hating each other. You guys got school has just started. You're still trying to figure out like, you know, how am I going to pass this class online? I can't even talk to the teacher trying to figure all this out. Do I need to wear a mask? Do I not need to wear a mask? Can I touch you? Can I not touch you? It's just it's absolute madness. And everybody's got a different opinion of how to handle all of this. Do I, you know, do I do this thing or do I not do this thing? And do I go here or not go there? And do I say this thing or not say this thing? And do I post this thing or not post it? And we've got, everybody's got an opinion. And how important is it for you and I to remember God? Oh, that's right. Wait a minute. What about God? What about God? What is God doing right now? Does anybody stopped to think about that? What is God doing right now? Is God freaking out because all of this stuff is because society is just exploding, falling apart? God's not freaking out. What's God doing? God is doing the same thing right now that he has done during every other crisis and pandemic and election year. He's, he's doing the same thing. He is seeking the lost. He's extending his love to the masses to the nations, and you and I got to make sure or fight to not miss that. Like, oh, that's right, I forgot about God. That's the point here. You're going to a new land, there's something new happening. This is something that you've never experienced, Israelites. Don't forget God. How important for you and I. We're going through a time like we have never, you and I have never experienced anything. Like, what's going on right now? This is new territory. And I I would challenge you with this question, and don't answer it out loud, but I just challenge you with this question. Have you forgotten about God? Has God gotten lost in all of the madness? That's what we're doing here, is remembering God. Oh, that's right. forgot about God. And he's trying to get them to get it in their mind before they get to the promised land. Don't forget God. Keep God at the forefront of your mind. Keep God first. Give him your firstborn. Keep God first. He says in verse 6, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. We already know this, right? We already know they're supposed to eat this, this fe- the, the, celebrate this feast of unleavened bread for seven days. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day, there shall be a feast to the Lord. I like that part, right? Feast to the Lord unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days and no leavened bread shall be seen among you nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your corners why is that again oh that's right because leaven was going to be a picture of sin you got to get it get it out clear it out make a practice of it now he's told them to realize he's told them to remember now in verses 8 through 10 he tells them to retell, retail, retail. Retail? is that what you said? I like to shop, retail, shopping, I like to shop, no, retell what you've heard, retell what you've learned. Verse 8, and you shall tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be as, as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes. That the Lord's law may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep his ordinance in its season, from year to year. So, verse eight, you're to, the things that are happening. Retell those things to your children. Did you see that in verse eight? This is done. We're celebrating the feast of unleavened bread. We we slaughtered the lamb. Why? Because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt, so these, these first generation, uh, uh, you know, uh, Israelites that were leaving Egypt, they were they were commanded, they were told, they were tasked with telling it to the next generation, telling it to someone younger. It was to it was to carry on through the older people. Now think about that for a moment. Do you have anyone younger in your life that you are telling these things to? That you are leading to God, because that's the practice here. That's what we do. And you don't have to wait till you're an uh, uh, you know an official adult leader. Oh, okay, now I'm going to tell younger people. No, you start right now. I know that many of you have younger brothers and younger sisters. Got you younger cousins. Got you younger neighbors. Tell them what God has done. That's the point here. Continue to tell this story. Tell what happened. Give a first-hand account. That's how we learn. That's how we pass this on. Verse 9, it shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes. Now, this will continue, uh, um, that thought of it being a a sign to you on your hand and a memorial between your eyes. I don't know if any of you have ever seen... um, There are Jews that will wear uh, a box on their forehead. Anybody ever seen that? Anybody ever seen? Anybody ever seen a box? Just kidding. Um, Yeah, there are Jews that will wear a phylactery on their head, and it's a box with scriptures in it. And they tie it around their head, and it's just a little black box. And then they will also wear a band uh, around their, their hand. So they took this literally, like, oh, uh, it's supposed to be a sign you know on your hand a memorial between your eyes they took it literally but the point that that um, is being uh, made here is let it be like if you like if you had it on your hand okay let it be a reminder. on Friday I was mowing my lawn trimming things and I got stung by a wasp. I remember that because I've got a spot right here in my arm that's red and irritated. And last night I woke up in the middle of the night scratching. I like, what is going on? And then it's like, oh, that's right. I remember. So the idea is that you don't literally have to put it on your right hand. But the idea is that it should, the, the memory of what God has done should be there. Like your hand, like, like, oh, there it is. And then between your eyes, let it be at the forefront of your mind. This is what God has done. What a great practice. For you and I, let's let's always remember God at the forefront, like at the beginning. I mean, how many of us don't raise your hand? But how many of us, when facing a difficulty, a challenge, some scary uh, time or thing or instance, how many of us? It's like God is the last thing that we think about. And and the practice is is to what we want to do is practice saying, wait a minute. Uh, this I'm, I'm facing this difficulty, this challenge, this decision. What does God think? What does God desire? What does God want? That should always be the first thing. But oftentimes we get in trouble, we get scared, we get freaked out, we can't sleep, we're worried. we're asking everybody on the face of planet Earth, what do you think about this situation? And we've got a million different uh, uh, opinions and we're just our heart is all over the place because, oh, that's right. I forgot to ask God. God probably has something to say about this. So let him be the first thing that you're thinking about. It shall be a sign in verse 9 to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. There it is. Do I need to have God's law like physically in my mouth? No, the idea is that it's it's on my mind, it's in my mouth, It's it's I'm, I'm, I'm retelling it. At the end of verse 9 he says, For with a strong hand, The Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. Don't forget. Don't forget. Now, the second thing uh, that they were to be mindful of was, after the Feast of Unleavened Bread was the firstborn. Verse 11. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you, and your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. It's just a cool way of saying everything that's born. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal. Okay, So he deals here, I was going to push the button to mix you guys all up, As he deals with the firstborn, verses 11 through 13 deal with the male animals. Verse 12: That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal in which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. So they were to take of every animal that they had, all of their herds, all of their flocks. They were to take the firstborn, every time they had a firstborn animal, they were to give it to God. Sacrifice it to God is what's being indicated here. Now, this is difficult because when you have flocks and animals, some of you may be very familiar with this. When you've got animals, every baby animal that's born is important. I know because I watch Dr. (laughs) Paul. Every single animal that you have is important. So for them to give up one of their animals, especially the firstborn, that's tough. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your cool little dog that you have at home. And if your cool little dog got mixed up with another little dog and had some puppies, right? Now that dog might you might have a a dog that just that that has 20 20 puppies. But you want to keep every single one of them, don't you? You don't want to give up one of them. Like, no, can we please just keep 20? You're like, Mom, Dad, haven't you ever seen 101 Dalmatians? Like, we can just keep all of them. You don't want to give up even one. And what God is saying is, no, I want the firstborn of every animal sacrificed to me. So not only were they giving it, it's not like they were taking it to God's house and putting it on his land and they could go visit it once in a while. No, they were sacrificing it. Now, we don't get all of that here. We don't get that much that much detail here, which we will get, but that's what's indicated here. So they were to give of the firstborn of all the male animals. And then in verse 13, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. So don't bring me no donkeys, God says. If you're going to bring a donkey, if you've got a donkey, then you need to bring a lamb in its place. So it was to be substituted with a lamb. Now, why is that? We're not told why here, but it's because we'll learn later on that there are certain animals that are considered to be unclean animals. Don't bring those to God. You can have them, just don't bring them to God. And so if you've got a donkey and it's the firstborn, then you need to acquire a lamb to give in its place on behalf of that donkey. And check this out in verse 13. You'll love this. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Isn't that sad? How sad. But God was very serious about this. There needed to be sacrifice, and God is indicating that here. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Love it. Love it. So a lamb had to be substituted on behalf of those donkeys. He talked about the male animals. Now he talks about something very closely related to the male animals, male children. And the second part of verse 13, And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. (laughs) And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, But all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. There it is. It shall be as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. By uh, by strength of hand, the Lord has brought us out of Egypt. So we learn in the second part of verse 13 and then on down through verse 16 that even the male children were to be redeemed. Now, the animals were to be sacrificed. The male children, in a sense, were to be sacrificed. But obviously, they were not to be killed. That's that's not what God is saying. And in fact, he clarifies for us um, in verse 15, um, at the end of verse 15, all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. So there it is. God did not require blood sacrifices from the people. God never required that. That's why it was so strange when Abraham was going to offer Isaac. It's like, what? What is God doing? And he stopped him. No, don't sacrifice your son. That's God, God never required that. The other um, um, uh, pagan religions, the other uh, idolatrous religions, they actually required human sacrifice. God never did. But spiritually, he does. And the point here in these verses is that the firstborn is to be dedicated to God. Some of you may remember Jesus going to the temple to be dedicated. Remember that? And then he got lost. He had those parents who just took off and left him back over there at the temple. They get back, and he's back there teaching or doing whatever he was doing. My kids, my firstborn daughter, uh, after she was born, uh, sometime after we took her to church, and she was dedicated there at church. Uh, You know, the pastor held her and prayed for her there on a Sunday morning. How many of you were dedicated in church? Anybody? Anybody dedicated in church? All right, all two of you, three of you. The rest of you, you're not even saved. What are you doing here? Just kidding. They are asleep this morning, absolutely asleep. Jacob, you're you're hearing, Jacob's smiling with me, laughing with me. Everybody else is like, can we get out of here, okay? Anyhow, you two, third service. I'm going to come in strong, okay? Anyhow, what they were to do was they were to, to dedicate their kids to the Lord. And it had to be a spiritual act, but there was blood sacrifice involved. And what they had to do was bring an animal. At this point, we don't know what kind of animal it was. We'll get to that later on. But there had to be a blood sacrifice from an animal on behalf of that that male child that was being given or dedicated to the Lord. And all of this, again, in verse 14, was to remind them that it was God who brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then they were to retell the story in verse 15. When Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, but the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. This is what God did. Both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb. That's why I do it. Verse 16, it shall be a reminder to you, a sign on your hand, frontlets between your eyes. By the strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. So they were about to begin this journey, which we're not going to get into. This is where we stopped this morning. They were about to begin this journey, but they're being charged, they're being warned. As you leave, as you go, as you enter the promised land, as you're traveling, as you're doing these things, don't forget God. What do you think they did? They did what they were told not to do. Don't forget God. And they would go up and down. They would forget and they would remember. They would forget and they would remember. They would forget, act accordingly, and be disciplined, and then remember. And then they would forget, act accordingly, and be disciplined, and then remember. It was up and down and up and down. But God, being a good dad, a heavenly father, appropriately, he warns them ahead of time listen this is what you're to do and don't forget